0: You're listening to The Racking Focus Podcast. Hey, welcome back to The Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard.
1: And I'm John Doyle. And uh, this week, uh, we are going to be altering our format. We're going to sort of change things up, try and create a more Mm -hmm. uh, segment-based, faster-paced podcast experience for you out there listening.
0: Yeah. And the main film that we'll be reviewing this week is The Last Duel by Ridley Scott,
1: But to get there, we'll bounce through a whole pile of other things that we hope will both entertain you and engage you along the way.
0: Yeah, so first and foremost, let's just jump into our first segment of what have you been watching? Uh, It's been a little bit of time since we've podcasted. This is the first episode of 2022. It's February, so we took apparently took the whole month of January off from talking about movies. But that didn't mean that we took the month off from watching movies, right? So I want to know what have you been watching? What stands out uh, over the last month of uh, movies, films so that you? The
1: problem is, there's so we've we've been all way a long time, but I guess there's two things I'll chat about in two different zones of cinema. Yeah. So the first is um, I've been uh, I've been watching uh, the Lone Wolf and Cub series, uh, which Is a manga favorite of mine, and I've never watched the complete series. And I finally moved past the first three films. I was a huge fan of the edited down version of the first two, which is American, like American re-edit of it, uh, called uh, uh, Shogun Assassin. Hmm. Actually, went to the Colonial Theater to watch a like. Late oh, night really? viewing of it on the big screen in one of the worst 35 millimeter <laughs> prints I've ever seen in my life. Was it just super dirty? Like it was d- broken oh. and full of like scratches. No, that's no good. But uh, but character, I guess. Yeah. It. And yeah. it was a great night. Like yeah. it was a cool night to watch it on the big screen because I'd never seen it on the big screen, so that was right. great. Uh, but now watching the originals, I realize as co- thoughtful and clever as *Shogun Assassin* is, as a re edit of the first two. Uh, the movies are even are, are better even than that hmm. and the fourth one I found completely entrancing the story the the quality of the drama the cinematography like you can really tell they figured out they were going to lean into the manga instead of right. the kung fu sort of samurai genre and it works really well so I, I've been enjoying that immensely uh the they're Gorefest, but they're fake gore fest, Where are right? you watching these? So these are all Criterion, but okay. there's some other places you can watch it, but these are all in Criterion. And how many movies are there? There's six. Okay. Uh, not So I'm also watching Zatoichi, which we'll talk about in another episode. Okay. And there's <laughs> more than 20 Zatoichi films, but th- there's only six of the Shogun Assassin films. And so I have one more to go, which I can talk about later. But the, the uh, Daigoro, the child, the cub character, mm. it's amazing how young he was in the beginning because in movie five he's still a little kid and uh he doesn't act in any other films like this is his claim to fame this little boy yeah but it, it does some pretty amazing work uh and uh and the i mean the scope of the violence and the sword fighting is great but they find s- Figured out that it doesn't just have to be about violence, and so these movies end up being about class and right. about like personal struggle and about making choices about your own um, h- how you want to live your life and uh, how you how you act honorably. Then yeah. movie five, Diagro, is the little boy is flogged by a magistrate, sort oh. of because he won't tell on a pickpocket, right. whose only relationship to this little boy is that she asked him not to tell. And hmm. So his honor is that this little like child's honor is that strong. So they're great films. They're wonderful to watch. They're fantastic subtitles. So i would s- seen uh, the the Americanized version is dubbed right? right, and the the original language film with the subtitles. It, it is substantially stronger. So that's one. Yeah, uh, and you know I don't want to belabor that no, yeah. uh, too much. Um, all the way. The other is a. Uh, just a completely different departure. So uh, on Criterion again, there's a they did a, a Sydney Poitier right, right, right. Uh, sort of focus at one point, and then because of his death, essentially. Uh, well, it, it, no, by dumb luck, it's sort of it, it, they did something earlier with him, yeah. And there were films, and I didn't watch them all. Right, I, I've watched some, but not all of them. And then they did a uh, another sort of noir set. Mm-hmm. And in that noir set, there's a Poitier film from 1950 called No Way Out that is one of the best films about racism I have ever seen in my life. Hmm. Uh, Poitier plays a doctor who um, is in an all-white hospital who's, because the person in charge of him is supposedly enlightened, right, like woke for 1950, (laughs) assigns him for the night because why would we not assign him equally with anyone else to the prison ward? Right. And in comes Richard Widmark, who is the brother of another, uh, Of he and his brother are uh, bank robbers, and they've been shot. And Poitier has to tend to them, and mm. they're racists, and the okay. brother dies during a procedure. Mm. And Richard Widmark, who is really one of the best actors of the period, I... I would not have said that from my youthful experience watching him in television, but sure. the dude is just astoundingly good, hmm. and he plays the racist, and with more bravery than I think any actor I've seen in my my real life, not in like reaching yeah. into the back life. He plays that racist hardcore, hmm. like without sentimentality, without any safety for himself, yeah. like a high-risk role, and Portier's world is shaken, so's the white world there, but more importantly, constantly the film, which was done by Joe Mankiewicz, okay. um, the Mankiewicz, the brother of brother Mank, right? Of, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, um the, the, we constantly live in the black world. And so instead of the film being about this, this black guy in a white world, we constantly get peeks at the attitude or experience of black people in that white culture right. in ways that today we even skirt around in films, hmm. and so it's just a brilliant piece. It's beautifully shot, like extraordinarily well shot. Um, and Poitiers is fantastic. What and year was this? 1950. It's it no messing around, like, it predates yeah. everything. Um, just extraordinary I and mean, I think it's 50 I could have it confused with another one that's in 50 but in that population. time period in that in that it's range there, it's there. that yeah. old that's um, wild you always make me doubt myself when I that's start backing <laughs> I out so I'm just going to double check it that's that's crazy yeah it's 50 yep it I mean is that's
0: 50. that's risky right for that time period yep. to, it, to do that it, and and well and at the same time I mean I guess for I mean there's a very a lot of racist people back then so it is risky but it's also it it's art, right? So some people are going to align with the racist if they're seeing this movie potentially.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't know if you could do that if you watch the movie. Okay. The movie calls it out they pretty call hard. It out. Okay. Yeah, it's like relentlessly clear that you are to empathize okay. and struggle with what's happening. Okay, cool. But the Widmark's horrible, but he's also not just a simple bad guy. So mm. as a racist watching it, you couldn't say, look how those liberals are treating us right you can't it just doesn't work that way right um and again widmark is fantastic one of the interesting things though is that portier who is the lead of the film is third credit really so because the black man's not going to have first credit in right. 1950 right so like it's interesting how this anti-racist film
0: it's still racist stuck in, in the studio ways, right yeah. um
1: yikes so yeah it's pretty interesting huh. um uh, the uh, the rest of the cast, some of them are people you might know or not know, but uh, I've been watching a lot of Widmark films recently, and he's ridiculous, and so he and Poitier together, and then the film just nailed it. So I would recommend that 100%. At this point, I've only seen it on Criterion, but I know you can see it other places, and uh, you, if you are interested in how race is handled in cinema, um, watching something that is that long ago would be great.
0: Yeah. Any TV? Have you watched any any TV shows or a lot any, any of TV? I've been
1: watching Peacemaker. To be honest, yeah, uh, how was that? I think it's fantastic.
0: All right, cool. Uh, I haven't watched any of it. Yeah, yet, I, w- so.
1: I would absolutely watch it, especially if you even marginally enjoyed the Suicide Squad. Okay, and it becomes a really lovely sequel to the Suicide Squad, challenging some of your perceptions from that film. Okay, how's Cena?
0: Uh,
1: he's great, hmm. great, but the surrounding cast is better. Okay. So he's surrounded by a group of actors. The guy who plays Vigilante, who's another superhero, not even superhero, another Vigilante, Vigilante. <laughs> in the piece. He's yeah. spectacular. Like he steals the show, but um the the the, remi- the rest of the cast is so strong. Yeah. And they support him and I mean, you know, there's something to be said for um uh, Great direction and great writing, right? Like, there's something to be said for that.
0: Who is who is directing? Is it Gunn? Yeah, it Gunn is, writes okay. and directs
1: it. Dang, okay. And literally on set for comedy's sake, like mm-hmm. they're rewriting. He throws lines out for them to say all right, the time. Right. And so, in the post credit of every episode, which I advise people to sit, sit through, there's out, sort of outtakes. Okay. There's additional takes that weren't used that are sort of like outtakes. Yeah. Uh, and the show's just really good. It's it's a slow burn in the beginning. You have to get past right what at the beginning our feelings about Peacemaker are very clear. Like unless you're a whack job watching the Suicide Squad, our feelings about Peacemaker should be clear. Yeah. Well, this film makes you question every single one of the feelings you have about him, okay. and you, you you arc through an experience. It's quite the, the characters all develop. It's just really well. Is done.
0: this is it? Are you? Do you have to watch The Suicide Squad to then watch Peacemaker? Or can you just jump right into Peacemaker?
1: I think you could just watch Peacemaker. It is a story unto itself, but I don't think you should. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm always interested when people watch things in and out of order, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I watched Serenity before I watched the Firefly series. One of my best friends watched the Firefly series before Serenity. And our feelings about that series are quite different. Mm -hmm. Um, The way we experience the story. I think that
0: this is your one en- of those. your entrance into whatever world completely changes how you feel about the you know, I mean, my entrance into Star Wars was in the original trilogy, but I was also so young when the prequels came out that I still have like I still have this love for the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. because it's kind of what I grew up with more than the original trilogy in a way. Right. But if I was ten or fifteen years older, my hate for the prequel trilogy probably would have been much much higher. Right right um
1: yeah I, I could experience
0: yeah 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 <laughs> If more more, more that, right there yeah yeah, yeah
1: that's
0: <laughs> it uh, well, all right so peacemaker it's uh, worth it's worth it's worth checking out sure. great any any other tv you been let's not
1: out? waste any more time we got oh look episodes. i love to, i love to i love to know what, what were you watching so what are you watching
0: uh, i watched a pile of movies in um In January, I watched like 29 movies in January or something along those lines. Um, None of which are from Criterion. Uh, The most Criterion film I watched in January was The Maltese Falcon. It was the first time I seen it. Right. Um, First time I saw it, sorry. And uh, yeah, that's a movie, man. Bogart acts his ass off. He's a great actor. He's great. Um, Mm -hmm. Slow Burn, to be honest, that movie is not very exciting. Uh, A lot of dialogue. A lot of heavy dialogue to mm-hmm. sift through, um, but yeah, it was that was a great film. Um, to dumb it down a little bit, I watched all five of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs>
1: wow, that feels like an undertaking. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was. It was. Well, I mean, once we were through two, we were like, well, I guess we're committed to. <laughs> I guess we're committed to the the series now. And uh, you know, that first movie is really good. The first movie is great. That first movie is so good, mm-hmm. and then it just it just continues to go downhill after every every movie. So like the first three. They can, they kind of are like, they're like, okay, this is good. This is all right. I'm I'm. I'm down with these three movies. And then the fourth and the fifth one are just complete and utter trash and garbage. But they're like, it, it's like, they're fun. It's, I don't know. It's like when you played with garbage as a kid because it was, it was a toy and you didn't right. realize it was garbage. But now you're watching it and you're like, no, I played with garbage. This is complete trash. Uh, it, It's just, they're trash. They're trash movies, but they're still fun. Um, Tragedy Macbeth watch that which I think we can talk we're going to talk about that episode. in an episode for sure um but the big one that's still stood out to me here is uh I watched American Psycho for the first time really yeah I had not seen that it's, I've owned it for quite a while and I just mm-hmm. have not watched it and holy holy cow that movie is so insane that is so insane that movie I don't think would work today like I don't know if you can make that movie today yeah I just I think that there'd be it would be Cancelled before it got out. Um, I also don't think that movie would work without Christian Bale in the lead. I don't that's, think there's I don't think there's a soul who could play that role um, other than Christian Bale.
1: That's interesting and probably true. Uh, and did his, Steph watch
0: that with you. She did not. She was, I was gone. Gonna say, yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> she was. A w-
1: I just can. Yeah,
0: imagine. no, and she would not have made it through the first uh, little bit of that movie. Right. Um. Oh my gosh, that the yuppie culture. Uh, uh, that it's uh you know parroting and like just crapping on the entire time it's just so it like hits you over the head about halfway through this film I st- I you know I I went into the movie knowing that they were kind of uh I don't I don't I don't know what this is satire right so it's like it's satire it's I, think. I, I went in the movie knowing that this was satire but about halfway through I wasn't I wasn't sure if this was still satire because of how <laughs> dark this movie got and uh, by the end obviously it, it kind of pulled me back a little bit it pulled itself back in uh, but man that movie is just in- insane and there's some visuals that I just cannot get out of my head uh, so that was that was quite a watch for sure. Uh, other than that I've been watching um, The Book of Boba Fett on Disney Plus okay. um, which I actually am really enjoying from beginning to end there's a lot of people out there who are just really not enjoying it other than the last two episodes episodes five and six so far uh, episode seven comes out the season finale comes out this Wednesday but uh, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the show but a lot of people are just kind of really hating on the uh, the format there's some there's some issues with flashbacks and present day and I definitely can see the issue um, in how it's being edited and where the flashbacks fall versus the present day moments, like totally get what everyone's saying. I'm just kind of enjoying it because I haven't seen the series in full yet. And so I, I honestly think that those flashbacks will kind of, everything will be tied together at the, at the end of the season. So I can't really judge the, entirety of the show quite yet until it's
1: all released wait i mean peacemaker could crash and burn in the last episode i can't imagine it will but it could crash and burn
0: right i mean game of thrones did so Right, right yeah if game of thrones can crash and burn peacemaker certainly can um so i'm i'm hoping i'm very hopeful for the book of boba fett but goodness the episode six was like what i episode six of boba fett is better than the entire sequel trilogy combined there's is stuff that happens that like this is what people wanted to see in the sequel trilogy and they just they just decided to do it in Boba Fett instead so the internet erupted with uh, Twitter is going mad over everything that happened in uh, episodes five and six specifically episode six um, bringing characters from uh, the animated Clone Wars series and rebels into live action like there's stuff that's happening and like I think they're really testing the waters for um, potential deep fake movies in the future. Um, I think they're testing the waters for how many characters can we bring from animation into live action. Right. Like They're just doing this big, they're really tying everything together. Uh, it's w- I feel like we're getting the Marvel treatment here a little bit where just everything is now being pieced together like a comic book would be. Mm-hmm. This expanded universe is really starting to tie itself together over some core content. When um, if they
1: can figure all that out, they can begin the process of yeah. having something on all the time, right? yes. like, which is what, yeah. Paramount Plus is doing with Star Trek, right, where they want, I mean, the way to prevent churn on those streaming services is to make sure there's some content there, and it's harder with the Marvel and the uh, Star Wars folks than the Disney folks, so there's always gonna be some Disney film that you can have someone connect to, but you need real Star Wars content, and so being able to rotate through, and I mean, Paramount Plus is doing that, although I don't know how, when they'll have it fully engaged. I think we're gonna see by twenty twenty three or four that you'll be able to watch a Star Trek show straight through and I think right. that's all, where they're all, year, head, all the all year, all year round. Around. They'll never yeah, be a week. Crazy. So you could never ever turn off their streaming service. And I right. think Disney is thinking that way with Star Wars, right? Yeah.
0: No, they have to be. Between Marvel and Star Wars, I think they wanna I would bet they wanna be able to alternate Star Wars, Marvel, Star Wars, Marvel, Star For Wars, all Marvel, all year long. Right, all year long. I don't mm. think they're going to want to break in between that. And if there is a break, it's going to be like a two-week break or a three-week break over I like a holiday or that, something along yeah. those lines. But I don't know. I don't know. There's so much content that's yep. that's coming out. So that's what I've been watching, and uh,
1: that's great. I'm yeah. I'm certainly going to watch the Book of Boba Fett, and I'm going to force you to watch Peacemaker. So that's great. I'll, uh, I will
0: absolutely watch Peacemaker. I, I will yeah. say
1: that I think Peacemaker might be. James Gunn at his best. Really? So the thing, I said this to my brother when we were watching The Suicide Squad, and I know this may sound super controversial. (laughs) uh, That's what we want on a podcast. I love love Guardians of the Galaxy, right? I love both Guardians of the Galaxy films. I like the, I think the opening of the second film is one of the best, uh, at least, uh, entertainment-oriented openings of a film of all time. I I think it's a perfect Mm -hmm. piece of, sort of opening Uh, and and it's
0: motivated too, right? it right it's like
1: really well done and i think the suicide squad is more watchable in repeated viewings than either of those films Hmm. uh certainly the second one and i think that this idea of turning this into a series and i have a feeling that we're going to see the same kind of treatment with the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special through this next process. I think Gunn's mm. going to come back, and this idea of long form storytelling. Yeah, he is so wise about it, and his sense of humor is so good. And there are moments in Peacemaker where I'm like, I this this character is a like is truly bottom of the barrel. Like yeah. Boba Fett, at least. There's a big following for him. There's no one who gives two craps about Peacemaker. I did not know who Peacemaker before the series. And now he's a he could lead the next film. Huh. Wild. And that's it's all. Well that's what Gunn does, right? That's what we
0: did with The Guardians was let's scrape together these that's what Marvel's done the entire time, it seems like, is just take these bench warmers and bring them forefront.
1: He just really knows his stuff. I mean, just fascinating so anyway wild we'll watch it we'll talk about it when after you've watched that and i've watched boba fett maybe we'll revisit it. No, that's good maybe we can segments. do a
0: peacemaker boba fett mashup yeah, yeah, yeah. episode that's that great. that's crazy um two anti-heroes potentially that's good right that's great right. um cool so guys if if anybody is wondering and wants to keep up with what we're watching you can find us on letterboxd i'm logging every film i'm watching there so me too yeah got, and i'm
1: logging the ones i never
0: logged because i'm old and <laughs> i have to go back i may keep up with it a little bit more than you do but yeah uh yeah that's so get us uh on letterboxd uh it's an app you can download um it's a great little app movie uh it's like social media for movie lovers so yeah
1: you're you're more likely to review something i'm more likely to yeah put stars down you'll just tag it, it yeah as watch or so, something
0: yeah so. uh so that's great. Uh, links. To our accounts are in the description of this episode so check that out join us over there all right it's time for listeners recommendations and this week we got a recommendation from one of our listeners alec and he is recommending the movie mud this is a movie from 2013 and the reason he's recommending it is because he thinks it's an amazing character drama with great twists and turns beautifully shot and it really brings you into a world like jumping into a book he says it's super dope and great for a wide audience this was the first thing he said that he ever saw matthew mcconaughey in and he said literally his words are dang he's good and then shortly after that his career picked up due to the the performance he had in the dallas buyers club in that same year So I haven't seen this film, but it has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Came out in 2013. It stars Matthew McConaughey, Ty Sheridan, Jacob Laughlin, Reese Witherspoon, Michael Shannon, and Sarah Paulson. So here is the movie synopsis. While exploring a Mississippi River island, Arkansas boys Ellis and Neckbone encounter Mud, a fugitive who needs their help. Though Mud killed a man in Texas and has bounty hunters on his trail, he is most concerned about reuniting with Juniper, the love of his life. Ellis, who is suffering the pangs of his first crush, agrees to help Mud, and he and Neckbone do all they can to protect Mud and help him reunite with Juniper. And uh, based on the reviews that I'm reading right now on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, this definitely looks like a good recommendation. So go check that out. I'm not really sure where it's if it's streaming at all right now, but not a bad movie to check out if you have the time. I want to share a question with everybody here. We just shared what... Um, We were watching uh i want to know what is one movie that you would recommend that we absolutely need to watch so i want you guys to answer that send us a dm at racking focus podcast or tweet at us at uh, pod focus uh we'd love to to hear what movie you think that we absolutely need to watch um what is your like number one recommendation uh all right well john i think let's jump into the review of the last duel there are going to be spoilers ahead, so if you haven't seen The Last Duel, you can skip through this review and listen to the rest of the episode, uh, the stuff that follows, and, uh, which isn't much, but you can skip through and, and listen to the rest of this episode. You knew what would
1: happen to me should you lose this duel. You knew and you didn't tell me. God will not punish those who tell the truth. My fate and our child's fate will be written up by God's will. By which old man will tire first. How dare you speak to me this way. What if I to lose? I begged you to find another way and now I might be burned alive. I am risking my life for you. Hmm.
0: You are risking my life. So you can fight your enemy and save your pride. And that could render our child an orphan. What did you not think of that? Uh, the last duel. Uh, you know what I'm going to ask you. I ask you the same question every single time. <laughs> what would you think?
1: <laughs> it, this is an interesting business because I had almost no interest in watching this film. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's because, to some extent, I have—I I do not have the highest tolerance for the Damon Affleck duo. I, you know, screen.
0: that's the same reason I was not that interested in watching this either.
1: And I, and I, when I watched the trailer. There were some. There was a sense for me of of a film that felt very flat and uninteresting. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that although it does in many ways have to uh, have to st- uh, st- admit its <laughs> homage to uh, Rashomon, like it has to admit its homage back to the idea of perspective based. Uh, storytelling mm-hmm. it was quite compelling by the time I was done uh, yeah I, I I liked it a whole lot I, I I even didn't like I even liked Affleck in the film That's which the crazy I, thing. I thought was I was I really going to struggle with and when he doesn't appear substantially in the first third of the film
0: right he's not in the majority of this movie right no, well that he...
1: second one he's in a decent amount of the second part yeah but no you're right the majority of the movie he's not
0: yeah, but when he is, he's fun to watch.
1: Yeah, and he's good. He's got and integrity. He's, he's actually playing a part.
0: Right. <laughs> right, yeah, he kind of can he can disappear into this role for once. Right. You know, and I think it may be the blonde highlights. I'm not sure. Oh, goodness but gracious. uh yeah, he, maybe he was poisoned he looks by the dye slightly yeah.
1: or something. <laughs> but yeah, I thought and Damon playing as ugly a character as he plays. Yeah. I thought really was a great move for him. Mm -hmm. so
0: yeah well and and you know damon gave me a reason to really not like him which made it easier to watch him (laughs) you know (laughs) like that's that was my that was like halfway through i was like i'm okay watching damon here because i don't really like him all that much in general and now he's giving me a reason really to not like him at all and uh this is great this is good he was which means that he was cast well for the role this because you know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote the script right so I'm like "Ah, great it's another one of these where the the writers force themselves into the contract to star in the film like that does nothing for the movie you know that that's just it doesn't have the movie's best interest in mind when (laughs) when writers do that but in this case they were right and I think Affleck was great in the role and I think Damon was great in the role so yeah I,
1: I agree with you 100% yeah. the the um their their lack of likableness mm-hmm. well and I think one of the things the film does right it's certainly reaching into the world of you know wh- if we want to short cut it like me sure. too right like there's this thing taking place it's yeah. about this woman's perspective and the film doesn't let you know where we're going to go in the end Early, like it doesn't tease us really about where we're headed. Right, Not that you can't sort of figure out a direction, but it doesn't give us everything. And as the information in these sort of pseudo flashbacks is released to us, or these retellings of the story from the other person's, not POV, but perspective, uh, you begin to really understand that the film has the right heart, right? Like there's yeah. a thing here yeah. that is, that's, that doesn't end up being about three boys playing right uh, and these characters are those characters are really unlikable
0: yeah yeah the three guys yeah uh, yeah or even just even just damon and affleck right oh i guess adam driver's in there too sorry um well, right, and, everyone right, sucks in this movie except they, for jody comer That's yeah really and, and adam driver's character
1: it. in the first sequence it's a, i mean it's a nice job in the writing he feels like he's going to be okay. It feels like mm-hmm. he's the victim here, right? Right. Like he's he's okay. He's our hero. Yeah. And then very quickly when we get in his world, which I think is an interesting choice because it's the opposite of what Rashomon does, right? So hmm. in Rashomon, you see yourself as the hero. Like part of that is yeah. you see yourself as the hero, and it's not until the ghost of the in the story speaks that we get any sense of truth. Whereas in this, they don't. They may see themselves as the hero, but we get enough third-person perspective yeah. that we can say, "Well, that guy's an ass," or "This guy's."
0: It's you know, a really, awful. it's a really complex film. Uh, I think Ridley Scott did an awesome job, and I have a little bit of dislike for Ridley Scott at the moment because he blamed millennials for like this movie bombing in theaters. Right. Like this movie, one, this movie shouldn't have bombed in theaters. This movie should have done. I, I would have loved to see this in theaters, but. Part of it was he's blaming millennials and he's blaming Star Wars and Marvel for ruining the industry and all of that, right? People only want to go see these Marvel films. I'm like, bro, I mean, you did kind of release this movie kind of around the same time Spider-Man came out. So like... Well, and you made Alien. Great.
1: So like you need you might need to shut up. But I mean yeah. you made Alien and yeah. you made Prometheus right, right. Like, you, expecting the same Blockbuster This statue. It's not the
0: same. Two, you cast Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in the film. So there was another strike against you in a way. I don't think a lot of people are really on board with I think they're polarizing, right? So you have half people who really like them and half who don't and uh one well, it's a period piece, and it's a period piece, and you've cast them as French people, like I don't buy them as French one one percent like at all um and three, your marketing sucked, like you were just saying in the beginning that the trailer you watched made this feel like look like this was gonna be a really flat movie. It's not at all. So the the trailer right. doesn't represent what I'm going to go see mm-hmm. really all that much. Uh, it's I, I had no idea that this was going to be three separate perspectives watching that trailer.
1: And I can imagine that that was a limitation placed on the trailer. They mm-hmm. shouldn't. You don't, you may not want to give that away. Right. But you do need to think when you're building that trailer about how you're going to get people in the seats. Yeah. Especially during COVID where we have totally. some concerns. Like if I'm going to make a choice... If I'm going to take the risk, I'm going to take the risk for the thing that's going to feel like it has high value on the screen. Yeah, I mean the same thing happened with what I think we'll talk about shortly too in a review with Nightmare Alley, Mm -hmm. where it gets released and like over, it's done in one week, right? And they're re-releasing it now in February in black and white just so they can get people to see it, and now it's on HBO in color, right? Yeah, Uh, and you you can blame Marvel if you want, but in the end a hard sell in yeah, this. i mean it's yeah. a hard sell with uh omicron and
0: COVID does not help theaters. anything happen help any, right
1: especially now. for the age group that this film feels like it should be yeah. leading towards like a, a film that's geared towards mature adults as totally. opposed to totally. intergenerational yeah fun. That,
0: this isn't going to be the first pick for a 21 year old and his friends to go see right, right exactly. they're going to go see spider-man for a third time well
1: and you yeah. know one if it's a boys club right so if the boys are going this film's a hard Oh, for sure yeah like this is a hard film to watch as a man
0: it's probably a hard film to watch as a woman
1: yeah but i i'm more culpable sure like i have to look at myself in reference which i think is what the film wants to do right oh yeah i have to look at myself in reference to every single action in a way but like what was the other film we did uh what was it about about it. it was another woman's perspective film that made me feel horrible through the whole film. Oh
0: man, I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the film either. Um, uh, I'll have to look it up, we're gonna have to scroll back or something sc- here.
1: Well, you can scroll back for a second. I'll jabber about Adam Driver briefly. Um, I I want to say too that I don't have the same feeling about Adam Driver as I do about Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. No, so I love Adam Driver. He's so talented yeah. and so flexible as an actor, and another brave actor, like I talked about Widmark earlier, who's uh-huh. willing to. Do what he needs to do for the role to be effective. Um, yeah, and seeing him in Star Wars is that doesn't play well for him, right? Like it doesn't do much for him as an actor right. until you've seen him in everything else, and you're like, oh no, like he's really working in this part, right? Even though it may not feel like it because that. Was it Promising Young Woman? It was Promising Young Woman. Yeah. That was the other one that was like a really hard hard. call to watch as a man. And rightfully so. Like I'm not saying it isn't. I think we said that in the review. Right. But there were moments in this film, especially in the the second portion uh, that I was... I was like, oh boy, I'm watching it with my wife, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry about every way I've treated you my entire life, honey. Like, yeah, was so bad. It's
0: Ridley Scott is, I think, honestly at the top of his game in this. Like his, from a directing standpoint, uh, this movie just shows that he's still sharp, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, 20 years ago, Gladiator came out, and Gladiator's a great movie. And then 20 years yeah, before how that, complain, like,
1: how can you complain about Spider-Man with Gladiator? What's that? How can he complain about Spider Man? I don't. I and he don't made know. I, I don't
0: know. Like that's the thing. Like he he makes <laughs> these blockbusters, right? Like he makes Alien. He makes Gladiator. He 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 does that stuff. And like he's complaining about the blockbuster stuff and millennials ruining the the theater going industry and all that stuff. Mm, but whatever. God, whatever. Despite my dislike for Ridley Scott right now in the news, um, he made a great movie, and I think he's he, the way he directed this film uh, was was so well done. I mean, the the subtle direction you have to give the actor to change their body language or to change how they're saying a line or delivering a line in the different perspectives, the way these characters act between the three perspectives is so subtle and so different at the same time, but it doesn't feel forced or Mm -hmm. contrived or anything. Like it, it feels completely motivated. And the way that, I mean, heck, even the, even how he was able to direct Jodie Comer on when to take off her shoes and start running to the bedroom between her perspective and Adam Driver's perspective mm-hmm. is such a, like, that is, that completely changes the intention of that scene and of how characters are reading each other based on when she took her shoes off. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, that is just, in, that's insane. Like, the, the amount of planning and the amount of attention to detail for something like that. Or I think, too, of... um Again, both those same perspectives, uh, Matt Damon and Jodie Comer are dancing and Adam Driver is looking and from his perspective, he thinks that she keeps making like eyes to him, right? Right. Uh, but when we're in her perspective, we're realizing that she's talking about him to Matt Damon. Right. And so it's you can see this and it's not an excuse for what he did in any way whatsoever, but you can see why he thought she was actually into him right because he's missing information exactly he shouldn't have done what he did we, at all well right but you can see why he decided to do something uh what why his choices were what his what the influence was for his choices um and you can you can see her whole perspective right everything
1: right? that happens in the film is motivated it just many of the motivations mm-hmm. or motivations we might classify as evil or immoral right right so uh and th- that's i mean that there's a lot of there's a lot of bad behavior in that film oh but yeah all of that bad ba- behavior comes from people who are doing something for a reason and we believe in that second section it's why it's so cleverly designed we believe comer is making eyes that she is attracted because yeah her husband is not the intellectual that she is. Right. But when we get to no the he's end, an idiot, right? right? Like he's a complete idiot. When we get to the end we find there's a place in between, right? Like yeah. that's really in a way the movie says she stands alone. She's not of their perspective, she's of her own perspective. And we foolishly as viewers, but certainly as craft of viewers, we have lost our ability to believe that because we're believing each of the other perspectives to some extent. Like to that, an extent, for sure.
0: Like I don't think. I mean, what this movie is doing is, it, I think it's. You, you brought it up the meet the whole Me Too movement sort of thing, right? This movie um, makes you like if at any point you say she was asking for it or it's she's partially at fault for what happened or any of those things um you're scum and right. you know like like we 100% should believe her account right which nobody does at the time right um and so this is this is it, it's 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 kind of like if you didn't believe her then then like eh, there's that's still happening today mm-hmm. on a on a less it not actually not on a less like detrimental level to the the woman, right? In the movie, she will be burned alive if she's found to have lied or bore false witness. Today that still happens in a different way where women will be pushed out of their jobs, ostracized from their friends and family and society. It's the equivalent of being burned at the stake, right? Like there's there's repercussions today as there were back then. All of it is a load of BS, uh, because that never should happen just because you're not believing the woman, right? Um, obviously something happened. And so for me, I never, I never, I never didn't believe that she was, I always believed she was telling the truth to an extent in some capacity. Obviously we don't know what that extent is until we see her account of the entire incident. Um, And I actually think that I actually think that that is a very like her account of the event or her perspective of the event isn't as traumatizing as I thought Ridley Scott was going to make it out to be right because we are seeing just a perspective. And so I figured that he was going to like really traumatize us with the incident because in her mind, it's probably far worse than like this. It sounds very weird to say in her mind. It's far worse than what it probably was because of her memory of the event like we kind of hyperbolize everything when there's some kind of trauma in our life and so our memory of it is just way worse than probably what it actually was right we came closer to death than we think we did right well, or something happened because right, there's an emotional
1: context. there's an emotional thing to the act, right and right. so
0: i was right. expecting to see something that was far more graphic or or um, violent than what actually occurred. Not to discredit what she went through, but when it played out kind of, uh, I'm going to say, again, it's so strange to say, in a, t- in a more tame manner than what I expected. I was like, no, this is 100% the account that needs to be believed. And like everything else beforehand is... A different perspective and while that is their truth it's also it's also not i don't know it's just not it's not the right story it's not the right account that we need to believe uh at one point too i wasn't sure how matt damon was going to tie back into this entire thing and how he tie, obviously he's kind of this sucky husband who didn't really uh, i mean he was he cares for his wife in perspective two adam driver's perspective but we learn in the third perspective that he doesn't really care for his wife he cares for his own honor and his own and
1: she's property right she yeah she is There's, fully
0: just his he, he is his, a property, property
1: driven person yeah. and she is property for him so he
0: goes from being like this guy you're rooting for to a guy that you're like well, you're kind of an idiot um but I'm still hoping that you come out on top to Now, the third perspective of, dude, you kind of suck, man. Like, you really are not a good person at all based on your wife's account of you. Um, And she won't do anything to harm you either. Like, she's committed to you, which makes you even more sucky. Right. And then at the end, of you're, like, just hoping that both of these men die and kill each other in this fight and that she comes out on top. But you realize that if both of them die, that she may also still be accused of lying.
1: Right. The stakes are... I have to say that that last duel... Uh, not to be make a pun, (laughs) is the stakes are so well drawn. They're extremely high. The
0: stakes are high, and the stakes, she is at the stake. Yeah, that's right. They are literally piling the stake where she is, they will burn her right
1: there. And the the other characters who are all in relation to what's happening, they help us build the stakes. Like that last scene is really, not last scene, the last sequence, I guess I want to say, is really well done. Uh, in what could have been pretty yeah. basic fighting and the violence is vi- like the fight is extremely yeah. violent yeah uh and there's a, a reasonable amount of blood and I'm not sure Damon's character survives that bloodletting that happens uh, Right, to seriously I he gets but it doesn't matter because yeah. he survived long enough for her to be you know, right. uh, exonerated or, I, and I'm going to use Released that word, from right? the, yeah, uh, yeah. But you watch the other characters all responding step by step, feeling like at any moment there's some truth that could be found in this crazy decision to yeah. do the duel. Um, the other thing I, I, I want to say is that the movie does an excellent job at putting all of this in an institutional framework mm. without making it feel like it's... Uh, Wall Street right Right. so there's the institutions of their culture which includes what happens at the duel in the end uh, and what Affleck's character is doing those institutions are equally as sexist and manipulative Mm -hmm. and so we have these stories from three people's perspectives but the world around it that when yeah. we get to the dowry business and how yeah. that structure works and the, all the business at the end revolving around her, they're, they're institutional problems Full, that fully, we can yeah. acknowledge and understand. And that's a... I mean, even one of those things that,
0: as, you're, as you're talking about this, there's a shot in the film where uh, I guess it's the king or the prince or somebody, right? Whoever this boy right, ruler the, is, right. he's sitting on his throne kind of giddy that he's able to... Uh, Rule over this trial right and his wife is next to him Mm -hmm. and she gives this look of disgust or of horror of shock of some something where she's disagreeing with him because he is just excited to rule in the man's favor regardless of the woman's account and she's just completely disgusted by it well
1: because he wants and he loves the violence right Right. like the violence is what's holding onto his eyes
0: right he Um, wants this last duel mm -hmm. to happen right he wants this he wants the entertainment well people are in trees watching this and he wants
1: damon to lose like he wants him to lose right so there's this power structure Mm -hmm. as well he wants his friend to kick the butt of this you know right start right
0: because affleck is the like the prince or ruler's cousin or something and, like that and right? friend right and like friend, yeah.
1: and and damon's character is i yeah. mean he's he's the guy you who, who works really hard at your job but he's so rude like yeah he, he doesn't he, play by he, any of the it's, social customs. it's funny
0: he's he's like the underdog of the movie right and so normally when when you see an underdog in the film right like indiana jones is the underdog of raiders of the lost ark right um and so you automatically are like yeah i'm rooting for this guy right i want him to get the arc i want him to beat belloc and get the arc he doesn't have the funds the means to do it but i want to see him do it damon is also the underdog but he's just a dick and so you just you you automatically like you just throw out the underdog thing and you're like i kind of hope he loses as well in some capacity but you also want him to win because you are on Jody Comer's side. So the complexity of this film and how it makes you feel uh, about each of these characters and how there's not really an arc to this movie. I mean, there is, but there's not really a character arc that we're seeing from beginning to end. We're seeing it in different perspectives. right? And so my the way I feel about Damon changes from beginning to end after I go through all three accounts. But he doesn't change as a Correct. person. Right. From beginning to end of the film he is the same person yeah, it's just only how who... i feel it's like an external character
1: that's mm-hmm.
0: it's very strange
1: only comer might have an arc that changes and it's her mm-hmm. film really mm-hmm. as much as she doesn't get top billing it's her film
0: uh which so... feel if she should get top billing Man, this just... this goes back to this whole city uh Poitier Poitier thing things, right yeah. like it's her movie right yeah, it's her story it's deceptively her movie right and like
1: you know if i was ridley scott leaving the cast list that way lets the film speak to itself right it becomes self reflective which yeah. is important he is making this in a hollywood that is not ready for that answer right. like the, the answer the film is giving us towards the way women should be treated yeah um can can we talk about filmmaking a little uh, bit yeah anytime yeah so the first thing i want to say is my is a like me being obnoxious, and then after I don't talk. <laughs> this definitively has what has become like the Ridley Scott color grade. So this film, gray, yeah, like <laughs> the, like there's this real this Ridley Scott thing De- where he like gray. desaturates everything, and everything's a little gray, not flat, right, but gray. Well, like
0: and... if he has a very um, uh, it's, is it monotone? Not monotone. It's a, uh, is it monotone? Is what what is it when it has a single color? Monotone. Is it monotone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because Gladiator is that same way. It's just, uh, when I think of the color palette of Gladiator, you can just I'm thinking run it's films. tan. Yes, Like um, it's beige. Alien, greenish gray. Yes. Like, like that's Martian, what uh, The Martian, slightly orange. The Martian, orange. Yes. Like throughout the whole No, race.
1: it's true. I mean, if you go, and certainly Prometheus is yeah. gray. I mean, gray. that's a gray film. It's all steely. Yeah, yeah this um,
0: is the same. It's like bluish gray. It's the color of your pants right now. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. So that's, I mean, I just want to say at least that's that. Yeah. There's a consistency there. Um, but it is beautifully shot. Like yeah. it is oh, yeah. really beautifully shot. And I love the fact that we're able to watch action from different perspectives mm-hmm. with different shots, but it's often the same action so that our emotional response so it's different. Mm-hmm. The rape sequence is the same rape. Right. The his entering the house to finishing on the bed and leaving is the same action. The same sequence of shots? It's, it's the same sort of sequence of shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, abbreviated perhaps in the last view, but yeah. the shots are different, and but the action stays the same. So as you said, you With were With subtle performances. We were gonna see, right, the performance is the different. performance is different. But the action is the right. same. And so you were saying, like, I expected this thing, and he doesn't do that, so yeah. instead we inhabit the emotion, which is great from an acting directorial point, but he's also using the camera in a way. That walks us through those and lets us spend our time not discovering new action, but seeing it from a new perspective and discovering new emotion. Right. Yeah. That's a lot of that. If you were to have
0: changed the shot, we wouldn't have been able to connect the pieces in the same way, right? We wouldn't have seen the subtlety in the performance if you changed the shot of uh, how Jodie Comer runs up the stairs. Yep. You know, we wouldn't have seen her shoes come off. And we,
1: we see her shoe come off differently Mm -hmm. it comes off differently because for her something different was happening than for uh for her rapist let's i'm I'm trying to figure out what language i want to use i know it's very difficult uh, for, for that
0: yeah um but no totally i totally agree um it's very it was very thought out everything was very planned and thought out of course um I'm also, I was wondering through the movie, I was like, this must have made it much easier to shoot a feature if you are duplicating the same action, you know, it's the same setup, right? So like the sequence where she's running up the stairs, you do the same shot in the same setup, two different ways. And I mean, it must have cut the filming time in half. I mean, there are some shots where, I mean, the opening of the film where Matt Damon charges down the bank across the river to attack, I mean they left the tail end of that shot out where adam driver says says something and in the edit in his perspective they just kept it they just kept it in they held out on the shot longer and you got to see the the last couple lines of that scene right and so yeah just very interesting the way they i mean the editing was great too so what did you think of um production design and all that
1: i think the production design is really good too it is a big budget period film yeah And we have the, one of the things I like is the fact that it it danced between the more classic medieval filmmaking where things are clean and crisp to the like Excalibur style medieval look where it's full of mud and gunk. And it walked all of that way. And I think that that's a great choice so that we're not spending our time analyzing the value of the culture the production design puts us in their world very clearly but it it stretches to what is a real person's experience so there are places where we're covered in mud and blood and there's places where it's you know stone and I thought some of the I thought the fabrics were spectacular like the costuming costuming was beautiful and the fabric work all around the space was really beautiful I thought that the Food that we saw throughout the film was also really interesting, well crafted, and and
0: nothing felt to me like it was um, exaggerated to make Mm. us feel like we were in this period. You know, it just all felt very much grounded, uh, realistic. I mean, even the the castle, the keep Mm. that he rides out of a few times doesn't feel overly um, majestic or Royal or regal, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, this is like, if I saw this today, I'm like, this would be like a really kind of a grungy looking castle. And like, that's what it was back then. Like everything was grungy. Like the plague was around, like, (laughs) like things were not good. Uh, And I was so glad I didn't live back then. Like that would, that would have sucked. Right. So yeah, that, I I mean, that's how it made me, I appreciate after definitely after watching the film, I'm like, I appreciate living in the time period I live in. Absolutely. but yeah, I thought yeah, I thought the period, uh, the production design, costuming was all top notch. I mean,
1: yeah, the film sort of lands in every way. It's not perfect, but it's extremely yeah. strong. Uh, and I mean, the action is even good, right? The yeah, yeah, oh yeah, the battles, the yeah, battles, totally. All the fighting is really pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the difference between the camera work, even leading up to that duel, in uh, the sound design, mm-hmm. um. I mean I feel like if I remember correctly it's been a little bit of time since I've seen the film I feel like the camera work shifted to a much more handheld approach um and the music I feel like cut out entirely
1: right the sound for us is primarily the sound of metal and mm-hmm. things breaking clanging and breaking yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah but certainly the thumps the, the body structure of, yeah whenever we're in battle the the pacing of the cuts were different but it's mm-hmm. substantial. And we, one of the things I think is interesting is when you're doing a film that's about perspective, that's one of the ways for us to experience people's misunderstanding of perspective. So yeah. that wound that happens in the opening uh, attack, right, where he makes the choice to a- a- attack, and he's not supposed to, right? and uh, you know Adam Driver's character says don't, and then they sort of follow after. In battle, knowing who saved who, which is one of the big question right. marks of that battle between right. those two guys, th- is is hard to tell, you know. So your perspective does misrepresent the action. Yeah, knowing you don't know that you were saved if someone stops someone from stabbing you from behind, right? Uh, and but if you think you saved them, now suddenly the debts of honor are different. Yeah, and I think that that's also a thing that, about misunderstanding with humans that is fascinating and so you know you could see this film as a conversation about the american right and left who there's a wound you know in the civil war there's a wound in the 1950s or whatever that wound between the two that's primarily a wound about who saved who right and now we're at each other's throats uh in politically because we can't go back and look and see that maybe we weren't the hero at some earlier point right. in the story. right? And uh, and that they never learn that, right? They don't, one of the things I love is there's never a moment where, you know, like Driver says, no, really, I saved you that day. Like some cheap, resolutionary kind of yeah, moment. There's
0: no truth that's there. revealed to him, right? No, yeah. the
1: truth that's revealed is this woman's honor matters and yeah. maybe although I don't think that's what the movie's saying like God intervened but whatever it is yeah you, right. she wins and it feels like she wins by accident right Which yes. is not a great she way won to completely win. by luck uh, yeah I right mean, he,
0: her husband hung on to life longer than adam driver did right and it's only because he didn't get impaled luckily by the joust that happened in the beginning right. or by whatever you know what I mean like it's just complete dumb luck and they chalk it up to God and that's just what it was back then. I mean, the well, thing- Well, and it's what it was today. The same hey, thing we- Heck yeah, today. yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everything today is the same. Like, it's just, I mean, it, this is a commentary about today, yeah. just set in whatever time period this is, right? And that like, makes it
1: work. Like, that makes the film-
0: Absolutely. Work. The thing is about this film is that it's it's one bad decision after another by our th- three men, right? Like, it's just one bad decision after the other. I mean, even, we even see Adam Driver being honorable in the beginning, right, going to save Matt Damon by saying this isn't this is against the king's orders or whatever, but he's going to die if we let him cross this river on his own. And so let's go help him and save him. Right. From there, he makes bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Matt Damon, same thing. Bad decision after bad decision. Impulsive, brash, uh, you know easy like he just rages out all the time the only person who doesn't make bad decisions is jody comer's character and it's because she's not given a choice in anything right or she doesn't have a choice except whether or not to um make these accusations mm-hmm. and that accusation is the honorable choice to make it's the it's the, to her character the right choice to make um and some may say like the mother-in-law her mother-in-law would say that's a bad decision right um, because she, there's a whole team says that she was raped, the same thing happened to her right. and she chose not to do anything and live with it and jody comer takes the other position and decides to obviously still come out on top but yeah it's it's just it sucks because like all the men have all of the uh the ability to make the choices they want to make, and they right. decide to make a whole bunch of bad ones, and it affects our female character for the worst, and she doesn't get a choice in the matter. Right? She's married off, doesn't have a choice. Right? right. Like all of these things happen to her. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because of external. Oh, so.
1: and, and just about her mother, just briefly. That yeah. that really does. I mean, she's not a character I like uh, in the film, and I think uh, right. uh, she's not a character who is likable in right. the film. Let me say that. Yeah. Um But in the end, we have to see her through the lens of her trauma, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that to me is really interesting.
0: Yeah, Uh, there's like this reveal at the end that she went through this, which will potentially change how you watch her, like on a second viewing. Yeah,
1: and certainly it changes what her why she's giving the advice she's giving Mm -hmm. because she thinks it was for the best. Mm -hmm. But we can see because our perspective is separate that it is that her decisions are harmful. To everybody, yeah. right? They're harmful to ultimately Damon's development. They're right. harmful to Jodie Comer, like all of those things. Yeah,
0: so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's move on a little bit to um, I want to see if we can narrow down maybe some awards here that we can give this movie in some capacity.
1: Right. I'm going to just com- say one more slam against you, Ridley Scott. So i just going to do this. It. Please go right? for let's it. Just yeah. go. So I'm Scott's, all about it. I'm a millennial, so he targeted Ridley me. Ridley Scott's mad because the millennials <laughs> didn't go see his film because of yeah. Spider Man or whatever. Yeah just it's i'm just gonna read them because you have to have them out okay so blade runner which maybe isn't that i don't know harrison ford it's too artsy whatever artsy of a film alien the martian gladiator uh, the prometheus films hannibal for goodness sake american gangster robin hood for goodness sake how can he possibly be angry legend the fantasy film legend with Tom Cruise. Wow. How can he be angry about that? I watched the watch the advertise. I watched GI Jane. Absolutely. Like Yeah. There is no question in my mind. I'm just rolling down his list of films and it is I think
0: it's that I think it's just the popular thing to do at this point just is really, to yeah. just is to both just blame millennials for not going and see movies in theaters Black and to, down for and, goodness sake. God. And to blame marvel and or star wars for ruining the movie industry because it's the same thing just like two days ago roland emmerich blamed marvel and star wars for ruining the movie industry do you know what movie he just released moonfall right the one where the moon is going to crash into the earth and the only thing he directs are giant blockbuster disaster films that always flop right they're entertaining
1: Right, they're but they are well designed for cable. They are
0: full garbage, streaming. trash films. Like they are just, they don't have any substance. So that said,
1: Yeah, Scorsese. Maybe Scorsese is a place to say it. Scorsese,
0: I can, I, I'm like, okay, I'll listen to your, I'll listen to your opinion a little and bit. I, here, and I, and
1: I think that Ridley Scott is an excellent director with mm-hmm. an artistic vision, but he has produced a lot of popular films. With like, your,
0: with his track record, you can't make those claims. It's, you, got, you know, you gotta really. Yeah, that's yeah. it's hard. You just can't do it. So, all right. So, anyway, the uh, awards. Um, is there any particular scene that you can think of that should be like this is the best scene in the film? A scene that like maybe lives on in your memory.
1: Goodness. So the part of the problem of this segment of the new podcast is I have to think on. The I know spot. it's been so
0: it's been so long since so we watched awful. this film.
1: So so I, I'm gonna I want to. One of the problems of this film is it's the same scene over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think that. There's two scenes I would put out there. One that's obvious and one that's not. Uh, the The actual rape scene I think is yeah. extraordinarily well directed, really brilliantly done. Yeah. But the other scene is the scene around the food with Comer and Driver after they uh, Damon and Driver have made up. Mm-hmm. I think that that scene really stands out to me as a really clever piece of directing yeah. from perspective with honesty about the characters and and it, that felt really true to what we needed as an audience and what the characters were experiencing it yeah. revealed information it revealed that information without telling me like i discovered things about those two characters and why maybe they would end up having sex together right uh, in moments around the food table, right? Uh, thought it was really, really a well done scene
0: when they're kind of bantering back and forth, picking yep. at the, the buffet essentially. Well, right? and
1: to some extent, maybe he's bantering with her. Sure, yeah, yeah. And yeah. She, we, we, we can't and be hundred percent sure. And she's sure. putting up with him, but right. certainly there is chemistry there. Yeah, uh, that we get to see. It's interesting. It's yeah. well played. How about you? What, what
0: um, uh, two scenes come to mind? Again. That same, the same one where that the whole rape sequence mm-hmm. happens, um, is just I can I can see the sequence still, you know, right? And I can I can still see it right. because Track we were shown it, it From twice, the door, right? From the door to yeah. the stairs, the dance around the table in the center of the bedroom to the bed, I can see the full sequence,
1: right? With that great plant and payoff moment mm-hmm. where it's like, if you run, I'll just have to catch you. Yeah,
0: right. He thinks uh, it's a game. She is not thinking right. this is a game. She's mm-hmm. terrified. So the scene, same scene. Uh, the other scene which I think changed the movie for me was Jodie Comer's um, sh- when she is telling Matt Damon what happened in her bedroom no, I and think she th- breaks down and is like and and he's not he believes her but not in the way that she wants him to believe her.
1: I think that's great. I think that's right? great. Yeah. And that is a turning point scene. Complete
0: turning the film, point. Right? So that's, that continues to live on. Yeah. Perhaps
1: even we could call it the climax, but it yeah. is a turning point.
0: It definitely is, it definitely is. Uh, Best performance. Who would you give the best performance award to in this movie? So
1: I hate the fact you've asked me this first (laughs) as opposed to second. Um, I sort of, I think, like performance, right?
0: Performance.
1: Probably for me needs to be Adam Driver. Okay. Because he is distinctly different in his single character nature in the three parts. Mm-hmm. I, I see him with the that amazing subtlety he's able to do as an actor, yeah. giving me perspective without losing the integrity of the role he's playing, which is like a very hard place to be. Yeah. Uh, Jody Comer doesn't have to change that much. Right. And neither does Damon, but we need to we we see driver's character differently in each of the three scenes yeah. and it's his acting that's doing a lot mm. of that work. So he's he would be my best performer. Mm.
0: That's great, that's How great. How about you? Uh, you know, I think Comer wins out for me. Okay. Um, Affleck is a close second, I'm just kidding. Affleck does great, Affleck is so fun. <laughs> Affleck, Affleck might win the most improved actor award, potentially. Oh, he's
1: done 85 movies. Good
0: God, but no, I, I think Comer for me is kind of this glue that holds everything together. Yeah. Um and I think the subtlety in her performance throughout the film, um, it it just I don't know. It's I walked away saying God, Comer needs to be in more, more films. Like she just needs to work more because she's just fantastic. Adam Driver has this thing for me where I think he's amazing, but there's something with his I don't know. There's something with his body language where, where I can't sometimes see the character so fully. He,
1: right, he's an actor whose body is consistent mm-hmm. he, he's not a chameleon that way yeah he's a subtle d- actor in that distinction yeah i can i can dig that yeah C- you know did you see killing eve
0: yeah oh my god Comer's, i mean just, i saw the first season i haven't watched anything past. so the first thinking season. of comer yeah
1: as an actress you have to you know you know the chops the lady has if, yeah if the Co- coma crushes it in that and then to do this role, yeah with this it's so sort of drastically different subtlety and and yeah integrity yeah great so comer great. wins
0: out for me there good um i want to know next award uh th- well this is kind of difficult um because we haven't seen it in a while most memorable image most memorable shot is there a shot that stands out I can go first if you want.
1: You should go first, but While you think. we may have to edit briefly. Yeah, this
0: is it's it's tricky. And if you can't think of one, that's totally okay. No, it's good. Uh for yeah. me, a shot that still lives on in my head is Adam Driver being stripped down and dragged through the streets by his heels, by his ankles. Right at the end of the film. At the end of the film. In this cross like format, or I guess his hands are behind his head. It was just very I don't know. I did not expect that to happen. And so I think that that shot uh, of oh, there's like I believe there's like an aerial view of him being dragged through the streets in some way. It's not like directly over top, but it's like at an angle a little bit and like being dragged mm-hmm. out. And I was just right. It could be on a jib. I'm just like I, I, that shot. I'm like, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of him losing his honor. I'm thinking of how his parents feel like how his mom might feel like I'm thinking of like I don't know what it did to me emotionally in there, but it was just like I'm just I'm thinking about the people it's affecting in that capacity too um and you've I don't know man like that shot is it just hit like without that shot in the film it's like the it's like the final nail in the coffin yeah. right mm-hmm. um so that's that would be my answer on on most memorable shot for me
1: so after thinking a little bit while you were talking I think I'm gonna say that trial there's a wide shot in the trial when Comer is being interrogated is the Mm -hmm. word I want to use but when she's up on the witness stand or Mm -hmm. whatever we want to call that there's a wide shot with all these men all around her and there's some women in the shot but there's this sense of this sort of scale of the institution that she's fighting against and I think it's really beautifully done and I mean Ridley Scott's gift with uh, pageantry like the big giant wide shot yeah i mean it's it's a thing he's good at even though he is also equally good at intimacy so like alien is all about the claustrophobia right right but there are wide shots in that scene in that film that are spectacular yeah and certainly in gladiator you can see that same sensibility I think that there's something about that wide shot that really places us in an institutional context right. when the film for the most part has been about interpersonal relationships and I yeah. think that and it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's 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 It the, shows yeah.
0: that there's more layers than just this one-to-one one versus person versus person, right? It's now that the conflict changes from person versus institution. Yeah, and the yeah.
1: the the image does the work, right? Mm-hmm. And the production design, and I think that's yeah. why I would say that's the shot. Yeah. yeah there you cool, go. love
0: that. Uh, lastly, biggest nitpick Uh, for me, I'm just going to say it it was like 20 minutes too long. Okay. I think the movie was just slightly too long. Um, and that's only because we're seeing multiple perspectives. And so it got a little bit repetitive, which it needed to be. But I think, I think that you could trim a little bit of the fat. I don't know what fat that is that you have, that you could trim out. Because everything felt like it needed to be there, but as a viewer, it felt long. That's my biggest nitpick: is just the timing. It was an hour and uh, let's see, the movie is I, it's the movie's somewhat long. It's it's like isn't it like one fifteen or something? It's an hour fifty. It's one hundred and fifty-three minutes. It's one fifty-three. It's yeah. It's not a short movie. So
1: that's it. Yeah, that well, that's a nitpick. Then you could have yeah. It's I don't know if it's picking a nit if it's an hour and fifty-three though. <laughs> um i i would i would say and this is hard for me cuz i don't really have that in my head yeah but i think that the use of rashomon it, for me it's always about honoring the yeah. your source material in a way yeah uh and i um, and so this does the opposite of rashomon where we see the inc- like the incident at its core we see over and over again we only see that incident twice here but uh yeah i i think that that's that may be my biggest nitpick. is just I, I, I it's yeah. the way I feel about and I say this and my daughters get angry, the way I feel about the Lion King. Right. Like I, I can right. I love watching The Lion King. I can never forgive the Lion King for stealing uh Kimba the White Lion, this right. spectacular yeah. Japanese anime. Yeah. And I it's just an unforgivable thing and the totally. fact that Disney continually denies it Right. makes it worse uh, really scott's not denying it but it's also not in the forefront and i do think you need to say like kurosawa did this thing yes yeah. well i'm not sure
0: i'm novel. not sure you can blame scott as much as you could potentially blame affleck and okay, damon right. good good and they point. wrote the script
1: yeah good point and so yeah yeah uh, so anyway that, you can
0: lump scott point. in there if you want that's to i'm fine. fine with that you can yeah that's uh, totally cool um yeah cool great love that um so we'll, we'll keep kind of this format going forward uh, in, in future episodes. So I like the, the change of discussion here. Yeah,
1: I think so. And I think it makes for us have to think more intimately about things. I would love to take a moment and talk about what we're most excited about coming up in the future. Like what's the thing you're excited to see over the next few months? Let's just put that out there. Oh,
0: goodness. Um, film or TV? Both.
1: Let's do both.
0: Okay, because I'm not even sure what movies are coming out this year. I'm gonna be real. Uh, TV wise, very much looking forward to uh, Moon Knight. Yep, I know you are mm-hmm. as well. Um, pile of Star Wars content coming. I hate saying the word content. Pile of Star Wars TV shows coming out because it's not content. It is actual cinema. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenobi, another Bad Batch season, uh, Mandalorian season three. There's an Ahsoka show on the horizon. There's a lot of con- there's a lot of content. If we want to call it that, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of good filmmaking uh, in Star Wars happening right now. Golden Age of Star Wars for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I'm just excited for uh, you know, a lot of the Marvel stuff, but there's a lot of piles. There's a pile of movies I haven't seen from 2021 mm-hmm. still that I'm looking forward to seeing. Like Licorice Pizza um, is, is one of the big ones. We still have to sit down and you need to see Last Night in Soho. I do. That was wonderful. Yeah. Um, in a horrifying way. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what else is coming out as far as films, but So
1: from about you. So Moon Knight's my number 1 and second would be uh Strange New Worlds, the the Star Trek Pike-based storyline okay. that's yeah. going to go back to episodic metaphor storytelling which I think we need in order yeah. to stop being So one of the big complaints against Star Trek Discovery is that it's too politically correct, right? Which I think is crap. I think it's mm-hmm. a bad argument. But it's because it's story first, it's melodrama right. first, and metaphor second, so everything's up front on the screen. Yeah. And it looks like Strange New Worlds is gonna do the opposite, and it's going to be story up front and metaphor underneath, and it's going to allow them to talk about harder issues. So I'm really excited about that, and I hope it doesn't suck. They some uh-huh. really There's some really cool stuff in it. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Moon Knight's my number one. I've been a fan of Moon Knight since I was a kid, and the trailer was ridiculous. But movies coming out.
0: I did think of one. Um, I am very excited for Uncharted.
1: Uh, right, which could be our next
0: big. That would w- that will likely be our our next uh, theater going experience. Uh, I've pl- I'm I've played all the video games. I'm currently in the process of replaying those games, so I can talk about the games in. Uh, contrast with the film after we see it. Um, I'm a big fan of that entire storyline and, and everything uncharted there, and I'm really, really hoping that they don't screw this movie up because it could really easily be be just come a complete dumpster fire. Um, but yeah, I think Tom Holland will be great. I think Mark Wahlberg will actually be surprisingly good in the role, um, but so very very much looking forward to, to seeing that in uh, the coming weeks here.
1: So I'm gonna say my the thing I'm most afraid about is Cyrano the Peter Dinklage Cyrano? Which uh-huh. is Cyrano the Bergerac is one of my favorite uh, plays. It, okay, I, I've been a fan of that play since I was fifteen, hmm. uh, and and so I'm always excited to see it put on film, and I'm always concerned about what Hollywood does with some of the more subtle, challenging ideas in it. So I'm anxious yeah. to see uh, if that works. That you know, especially after seeing. The National Theater's retelling of it was um, it really bad? Really good, like brilliant. oh, it was really good. Yeah, okay. so it was it was done. I mean, it was it was done in uh, spoken word for all practical. Purposes. Oh wow, okay. It was brilliant, uh, brilliant, brilliant. we can talk about that some other time. But so I'm worried about it. But that's one. I, I'm excited to see Uncharted. But I want to say we just got to throw it out there for the Batman and. Yeah, uh, hopefully that's great, yeah. and we are now have a green light on Joker two as well. Do we really we do have a green light on Joker two? Uh, Did not expect that to and, get a sequel. And the, and we, it looks like that may be tied potentially to the Batman's world. So we'll see. But there, but they they believe they wow. have more story to tell, and it looks it, like it it. Is Todd be,
0: Phillips in the director's chair again?
1: That the whole idea is it's going to be the same bunch. Wow. So, but that, I mean, I, that's rumor land. Sure. It's like confirmed rumor. I, I'll put it that way. Right. It's as been, opposed it's been to anything. Else. On that it must be true. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's that to me is a pretty exciting possibility. And I hope that that comes to fruition. Yeah. I and mean, things can get their along the way. But, um, uh, yeah. Oh, so.
0: um, The Northman is is on my list as oh, well. Yeah. Great. Holy cow. That movie looks ridiculous. Well,
1: and Edgar's is. And it's such an interesting filmmaker. Yeah.
0: Like I know he'll do something that is going to be completely provocative and um, just memorable in every way. I mean, I still have nightmares over um, Black Phillip um, a bit. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, there's Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy, Willem Dafoe, uh, Ralph Innocent, like Katie Dickey, uh, Kate Dickey, like just the cast is ridiculous and it just looks so good. So uh, yeah, pile of films coming out this year. I I think it's going to be a good year for, for movies but yeah and we're
1: just getting started so yeah. we hope this new format is successful for people and we want to hear from you we want to make sure you're sending us your questions yeah. and your recommendations we want to include your voice in the piece uh and we will continue to do you know non-film content when some of that will be recapped so you yeah may, in your feed have something that's just a half hour of us talking about an episode of whatever which or whatever or it may be Witcher, but whatever, yeah. uh you know here you have the opportunity to hear more and we're trying to braille in that scope
0: yeah absolutely so thank you guys for listening uh please connect with us on uh the internet's on instagram facebook social media in general you can head to rackingfocuspodcast.com to find all of our social channels and read some blogs and all that goodness
1: and we should note that our logos changed right so if you're looking for the logo. Go to the uh, website you can see what it looks like that way you can track us in your feed yeah uh, it's we're going to try and be more consistent there along the way so uh sort of grapple onto that and enjoy the new art and uh the new format
0: thanks for listening to the racking focus
1: podcast